0: Today we look at Luke chapter 18 verses 1 through 8 and another wonderful parable that we have in the Gospel of Luke. I have one other parable after this one and that will complete all the parables that we find in Luke. And of course the last one is very familiar, that is the publican and uh, the Pharisee. And so uh, we remember that one, the sinner and the self-righteous Pharisee. But uh, this one in Luke 18, 1 through 8, is very, very unfamiliar. Uh, We don't really look at this one very much. As I was trying to think about a title for the Bible study, I gave it one title, A Demanding person. Then I thought, well, I'll change that to something more spiritual, and I called it persistent prayer. And it's amazing how that when we pray, sometimes we are not persistent in continually praying for something. I walked into uh, the hospital last week, and um, Joan Callis was having surgery last week and did well. And so uh, when I got there, I kind of looked around the room and I found a couple of other people that were there, one from my former church. And I thought I'd go back in the back and um, have prayer. And so I got the nurse up there and I said, uh, hey, can you get me back in the back to have prayer with Danny Edenfield? And she said, uh, yeah, I think so in a few minutes. I said, now listen. I said, I'm not going to be long. I said, get me in, get me out. I'll be quick. I'll pray a quick prayer. And she stopped and looked at me and she said, well listen sir, we don't want it too quick. (laughs) We we want a little detail in there. So I I got amused at that, that God, God wants some detail in our praying. Now... When someone is demanding, it gets on our nerves. When someone is persistent, sometimes we use the word they are, nagging. And I've had church members determined, persistent, and on the verge of nagging at times. I, I remember in one church I was at, they, uh, they wanted a new pictorial directory. And, um, and I think I've heard that around here somewhere. But anyway, they wanted a new pictorial directory. And finally, they got the right people involved, and they were so persistent that we got one done. And so then we were on a schedule. Every so many years, we would have one done. That particular church, I think we did six in the time period I was there, in uh, six and 14 years. And uh, But I thought about the power in being persistent. Now, look here at the Word of God, Luke 18, and let me just read verses 1 through 8. Now, He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God And did not respect man. There was a widow in that city. And she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling. But afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for His elect, who cry to Him day and night? And will He delay long over them? I tell you that He will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth. That is a dramatic parable. I love verse number 5. In verse 5, the unrighteous judge says, This woman is wearing me out. I gave you a copy of the Message Bible. Paraphrase there on your notes on the back side. And uh, Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible says something like, she's beating me up. She's beating me up. John MacArthur says that the best translation of that phrase is that she is punching me silly. Y'all remember... Muhammad Ali, he did a thing called rope-a-dope, where he would cover up and get on the ropes and just take punches, and then finally when the guy is worn out, Ali would (coughs) slug him. Well, that is something what you got here. It's, It's like this woman was punching and punching and talking and nagging and was wearing the judge out. And so, Jesus tells his story not to say that God is like the judge because He's not. Not to say that we are like the widow because we're not. God is saying there is a power in being persistent. God honors persistent praying. And a sovereign God has chosen not to do some things because His people don't pray. I believe that. I believe that God is sovereign. God's on the throne. But a sovereign God has declared, my heart will be moved by the prayers of my people. John Wesley, the great uh, reformer one time said, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. And John Wesley had a godly mother, Susanna. Susanna was just a godly mom that prayed for her boys. And Charles and John Wesley were models of what Christian evangelists and Christian sons ought to be. John Wesley had a lifetime of trouble I want to read some notes from his diary. And this is from the diary of John Wesley, the great Methodist preacher. Sunday, a.m., May the 5th. Preached in St. Anne's. Asked not to come back. Sunday, p.m., May 5th. Preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday, here's next Sunday, all right? Sunday, AM, May the 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. <laughs> Sunday, PM, May 19th, preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday, AM, May 26, preached on the street kicked off the street. <laughs> Sunday, a.m., June 2nd, preached at the edge of town. I was asked to leave the highway. Kicked off the highway. Sunday, p.m., June the 2nd, preached in a field in the pasture. 10,000 people came. He went from being kicked out of church after church after church. And so he went to an open field and 10,000 people came. You tell me God doesn't honor persistence. He does. He does. There's something about not giving up in prayer. Now, this story here in Luke 18 involves a widow. Luke talks more about widows than any other gospel writer. In this day and time, a widow would have a difficult time getting a hearing in court. Acts chapter 6 talks about the early church developing a special ministry to take care of widows. We call those guys deacons that were originally picked to take care of widows. Cindy Barton now joins that group of widows. Our church is full of godly widows. On Wednesday night, many of those widows get, gather for prayer and I think about widows like Betty Jo Craft who are faithful and persistent in their prayer life. This person was a woman, was a widow... And she was poor. She had no standing whatsoever in that court. But yet, she was persistent. She did not give up. So I I think there's a contrast here. In fact, Luke gives us three contrasts in this parable. So stay with me on this, all right? Number one, praying is contrasted with fainting. I look again to verse number 1. The Bible says, "Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart." I think one translation says, "Pray and don't faint. Don't faint away." And so the contrast here is that we can either be bold and persistent in praying or we can lose heart and give up. Boy, one thing I have realized, God doesn't bless quitters. God doesn't. He doesn't bless quitters. Boy, I absolutely hate to lose at anything. I do. I am a terrible loser. I'm a, I am ai mean, I'm the guy that... would would not want to play you again if I got beat. I mean, I am a terrible loser. I played basketball against my wife one time. She beat me. One time. Now, i also have to say my wife played college ball too, so that that makes a difference. Uh, Pam played for Oklahoma State University. And so, um, you know, I got beat by, and I always want to say that, yeah, I got beat by my wife, but, you know, she was a college ball player. Now listen, the devil wants to beat you down, lay you out, wind you up, and dispose of you. That's what he wants to do. But when you are bold and tenacious and persistent in prayer, you give the devil a black eye. And that is what this parable is saying. Now, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse number 1 says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Paul there says, because we have a ministry, we do not lose heart. The King James Bible says... We don't faint away. We don't faint away. Have you ever seen a child of God that used to be, now listen, used to be on fire, always here, always consistent, but something happened and they fade away. One of the saddest, talking about pictorial directories, one of the saddest things you can do is to take some church's pictorial directories and say, well, yeah, he used to be, he used to be, or she used to be, and go down the list. Well, yeah, they used to be a Sunday school teacher. We don't know where they are now. This person used to be a deacon. We don't know where they are now. I want to tell you, God has a lost and found department. And it's not things, it's people. And that's why we need to always be concerned that we don't faint away. We don't lose heart. Warren Wiersbe, great commentator, said, prayer is much more than the words of our lips. It is the desire of our heart. And our hearts are constantly desiring before Him. Man, prayer is me opening up my life. And God seeing the desire of my life. When I get before God in prayer, it's not just my words. It's my heart that God sees. I'm I'm amazed at how many people have just fainted away. They're not persistent like they used to be. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. So here's the contrast. Prayer versus fainting. This woman, this story talks about the power of being persistent in prayer. Alright, let me move on. Number two. The widow is also contrasted with God's elect. Now, if you would just read this parable, you might say, oh yeah, we are the widow. Uh-uh. That's not right. The widow is not a picture of the child of God. The widow is a picture of someone being persistent. Now, you can be persistent about a lot of things. Sometimes they're not good things. Sometimes you can be persistent and God may give you something, but it's not His will. Let let me talk talk to you about that. You may be persistent about getting a job. And it may not be God's will for you to have that job. You might be persistent in marrying so-and-so. Now listen, he may look good on the outside, but when you take him home, you're going to unpeel him, All right. You may be persistent, but that is not God's will for your life. This woman, this widow, is contrasted with God's elect. Now, Jesus here argues from the lesser to the greater. He's really saying, if if a widow who's not necessarily righteous comes to an unrighteous judge and gets a request. How much more will God answer prayers for His children? Alright, so look at this with me, alright? Number one, the woman was a stranger, but we are children of God. Now look over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And look at verse 13. Luke 11 verse 13. Now listen to this, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. If you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so, Jesus says there, if someone knows how to give a good gift, and they're earthly, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts? Alright, so there's that contrast. Then, the woman had no friend at the court to help her. But you and I have a friend who is an advocate, who is an intercessor, a high priest. And that's the Lord. You know, when you and I pray, we've got a friend in court, don't we? When you and I pray, we have someone who is seated by the very right hand of God. And He is always interceding for us. Sometimes when I pray, I say, God, I don't know what to pray for. God, straighten out my, my prayer as it hits your throne. And the Lord Jesus is an advocate for you and I. Now, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, look at that verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. This is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. It says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And I could stop there and think, boy, we all in a heap of trouble. But it goes on to say, And if anyone sins... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so John says, it's the will of God that we don't sin. But we all know that's not going to happen. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now think about that word advocate. The word advocate, and it might be translated different in your Bible, But Vine's Dictionary says that word means one called alongside to help. It's the word that we use for a lawyer. It's the word that we use for an intercessor. It's the word that we use for somebody who's going to fight for us. When you and I pray, Jesus takes that prayer and presents it to the Father and says, God, Richard has no right, no standing. He has no right to have this prayer answered. But Father, because I died for Him, and because He's covered in my blood, and because He's Your child by faith in Christ, God answered this prayer for Him. Father, answer this prayer. He is always interceding for you and I. All right. A third thing about this widow she came to a court of law, but you and I come to a throne of grace. Woo! Boy, that's good. You and I don't come to a judge. In a courtroom, we come to a father who's full of grace. Man, you know, you know who took Steve Barden to heaven? Well, Jesus did, and Jesus did that because of grace that the Father has. Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boy, what a tremendous verse. We have grace in a time of need. You know the old spiritual song, Sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down, standing in the need of prayer. We always are standing in need. We always can come to the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. If we fail to pray, our condition spiritually is like this poor widow. All right, let me show you this third and last contrast here, all right? Let's look at the judge. The judge contrasted with the father. And that's verses 6-8. through Now, Jesus is saying here, this judge is not like God. And that's the problem when you read this parable. Sometimes you might read this parable and say, okay, God's the judge, you and I are the widow. No, that's not right. God is... Four things that I find. He is a loving father. He is attentive to our cry. God is generous in his gifts, and we do not weary him. This judge was not a loving father. In fact, he was a crook. He was not attentive to the woman's cry. He sure wasn't generous in his giving. And we never weary our God. Warren Wiersbe again said, God answers prayer for His glory and for our good. And He is not vexed when we come to Him. Now, listen to me on this. This will be good for you. When you pray and God doesn't answer your prayer, And for the last year and a half, I have been consistently by the bedside of Steve Barton and praying for him. When you pray, and God doesn't answer your prayer just like you asked for it to be answered. Let me tell you why. It's the glory of God ultimately, God's going to do what's best so that He'll receive glory. Now, if you were here yesterday at Steve's service, there is no way that you could have walked away from that service and not saw the glory of God. And I want you to know in your praying, you always need to reconcile these two things. God, this is what I'm asking for. But God, Your glory is more important. <clears throat> That's why some people die and we don't understand. Why some people get cancer and we don't understand. Why some churches go through turmoil like legal <laughs> actions and we don't understand. But one day, somehow, someplace, God's going to get the glory. He's going to get the glory. We always need to realize we come to God not for judgment. Our sins were judged where? At Calvary. At Calvary. But we come to God as a benevolent, loving Father who is attentive to us, who is generous to us, and we do not weary Him, and He is going to get the glory somehow. Now boy, you think about this. If you were God and going to send your son to earth, how would you send him? I'll tell you how I'd do it. Man, I'd put him on a chariot. I'd bring him into Jerusalem. I'd have every knee bow. I'd have every tongue confess. But how did God do it the first time? Baby. Not even a room for him in a hotel He had to be in a straw manger. But oh, when He comes a second time. You see, God... Listen, this will be good. God's going to pick when He gets the ultimate glory. Not you or I. Always remember that. Well, there's power in persistent prayer. The important question though, we find here in verse number 8 if you could take verse number 8 and pull that verse and look at that verse daily. I tell you that He will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth. When Jesus comes again, will He find faith on the earth. I could paraphrase that and say, will He find faith in me? Will He find faith in you? The Broadman Bible Commentary has a neat neat comment on that verse. The Broadman Bible Commentary says, God will be faithful, but can the same be said about man? By the time of the parousia, that is the second coming, When the Son of Man comes, will all men have despaired so that no one still believes in the eternal triumph of the sovereign rule of a just God? In other words, when Jesus comes again, will there be a people, faithful, persistent in prayer? One of the Things I like to do is watch historical dramas. I got hooked on two last year. I've been waiting for season two to come around. One is The Crown, on Netflix. Love, love that about Queen Victoria, uh, Queen Elizabeth. And then on PBS, there's Queen Victoria. And so we got Victoria and Queen Elizabeth, both two very different queens of course, Elizabeth, still reigning. But I was thinking about Queen Victoria, and I, I read something about Queen Victoria. And back in the 1800s when she reigned, she had a famous husband. Who was her husband? Albert. Prince Albert, that's right. My dad used to smoke a little pipe and had <laughs> Prince Albert tobacco, <laughs> I remember that. Well, besides being famous for tobacco, he was married to... Queen Victoria. But anyway, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert had a wonderful love story and got married and were married for many years. But Prince Albert died and left Queen Victoria a widow. And she was a widow for decades after he died. She always wore black, never smiled much, and she was in constant mourning. And I, I read about What she did and Queen Victoria was so stricken by his death that she insisted that all of Albert's rooms in the royal residence should be kept just like they were at the time of his death. She insisted that the linens be changed and every single day a basin of water, soap, his razor, his clothes, everything laid out every single day for the rest of her life. She was caught up in grieving for Him and someone asked her why and here's what she said. She said, I'm prepared for His return. And they said, what do you mean by that? And she said, when the dead in Christ rise, He's coming back. Well, i got news for you. He's not going to need those things (laughs) when He comes back. But I did think about this. Are we that prepared for the coming again of the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Will there be faith on the earth? Will, will, Will we be persistent in prayer, believing God for the big stuff? when Jesus comes again. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your precious, holy Word today. What a wonderful parable. One God that we don't look at very much, but a powerful message on persistent praying. God, we never weary You. God, we come to Your throne because it's a throne of grace. Lord, how loving and benevolent God You are. Father, I pray for our church. Lord, as we face so many things right now, we've lost a staff member. He's with you today. Father, in the days coming, our pastor is retiring. and We're searching for a a new senior pastor, a man to lead the staff and lead the church to preach the Word of God faithfully every Sunday. Father, the other stuff we're involved in as a church, Lord, we could be diverted. Our focus could be on on stuff that, God, we can't control. But Father, this coming week we have an opportunity to invite all of South Carolina to First Baptist Church as we have a Christmas pageant, as the Gospel is presented in that, Lord, I pray for people to turn to You and to be saved, God, through the proclamation of the Gospel in that pageant. But Lord, even before that happens, by the preaching of the Gospel in the way I live and the way we live every day, may people turn to You. And God, when Jesus comes again, and I've got to believe, it's going to be soon. Will there be faith? Faith in our church. Faith in our world. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.